With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? We are back after a small hiatus. The Eagles took a hiatus, too. They were off Monday, but it's Tuesday, and they had their most physical practice. We're here from the NovaCare, and I'm here with Matt, as always. Matt, what's going on? Elliot, today's the first day it actually felt like training camp. How many times have we said that? Right? (laughs) Doug Peterson promised a physical training camp, talked about the hitting, and today was the first day of live hitting, tackling to the ground. It felt like football out there today. Yeah, and there was really, honestly, a lot to take away from it. Even though, I feel like, like like I said, we feel like we've said that every day. This felt like the first day. That felt like the first day. Today, I think the players probably felt like the first day with how much hitting they did. So we're going to talk about the hitting. We're going to talk about the secondary and Patrick Robinson who's continued to be an issue. And we're going to ask, you know, what can they do really? Because at this point of the offseason, even though the season's, you know, six weeks away or so, they're really running out of time. So we'll talk about that. And I think it's time we finally talk about Darrell Rebus as a real possibility for this team with how bad they played. But before we get into all that, if you're listening to the podcast on a browser or on your computer, you should really go and subscribe. You get the you get the episodes quicker, and we would really appreciate it. So if you haven't subscribed, you can do so on the iTunes Store. You can do it on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. And when you have subscribed, please go and give us those five-star reviews. We like it. It helps us out. And you should also leave some comments. Tell us what you want. Tell us who you want to talk to, who you would like to have on as a guest, and you know different questions, and we'll make sure we uh, – Make sure we address them. So, all right, now that that is out of the way, man, I got to say, first of all, <laughs> the players must be dead because I know just me, I'm tired from the, that three hours out there. It was easily the hottest day of camp so far, and the fact that they hit only added to it. So let's just start off with, with some quick reaction as to what you thought and what, what was maybe one of your big takeaways from the first day of hitting. Yeah, Elliot, I think today the story was all about Wendell Smallwood. And okay. that was when you look at this roster right now, you look at the depth chart and almost every position seems pretty much set. There really aren't right. that many interesting, intriguing training camp battles to keep an eye on. And the one that I thought might present itself throughout the course of camp would be Wendell Smallwood versus Corey Clement Me too. for that fourth yep. running back job but you know you watch Wendell Smallwood today and he ran with a ferocity he mm-hmm. ran with ferociousness and it was the first snap of the full team drill where he cut off tackle burst towards the sideline it was probably about a 15 yard gain and he didn't go down until he lowered the shoulder and dropped Chris Long dead in his track the tracks knocked over one of the Eagles cornerbacks dead in his tracks and you just knew right then and there not only that hitting had begun yeah. but I think Wendell Smallwood really threw down the gauntlet and said you know for all that talk about me fighting for my job this is what I'm capable of yeah. and this is what I can bring and this the, offense. The running back position is an interesting one for the Eagles because even though the top two backs are LeGarrette Blount and Darren Sproles they're really both at this 
point of their careers, situational players. They're not guy. Yep. Neither guy is going to get the ball 25 times in a game. In a game, at least that's not what you want out of them. If you want anything out of them the following week. So even though you know Wendell Smallwood is maybe third or fourth, depending on where you view Donnell Pumphrey, he kind of is the Eagles' number one running back in a way because he's the only one that you can count on to give it 20 times week in and week out, but also potentially catch a ball out of the backfield. And Wendell, he he's an interesting guy, man, because. During the draft, I really thought they should take a running back because I wasn't high on Wendell Smallwood. But when you look at what he did last year, when he got an opportunity, he actually played pretty well. He had a pretty good game against the Steelers, and I think it was the Falcons where he played well also. And those were two of the better teams in the league. So I agree with you. Today he ran hard. I think he was the best player out there on the field today. And you could really tell that now that the pads are on, how much more you can evaluate the running backs and how good Wendell Small would look. So maybe, I mean, let's not forget, too, health was an issue for him last year. So if he stays healthy, he has a full year under his belt, maybe he can be the guy. But I also agree with you that there's no competition. He is going to be on this team. No, I I agree. And I think that today he got more reps simply because both uh, LeGarrette Blunt and Denel Pumphrey were out out with injuries. Mm -hmm. It was personal reasons for Blunt, and I believe it was an ankle for Pumphrey. Yeah, well, a a hamstring. I talked to him afterwards. He did have his ankle taped, so maybe he's dinged up there, too. But he told me it's a hamstring injury. He should be back in a few days. All players say that. But for a guy like Kim, where obviously speed and getting an initial burst is big, the hamstring is something I guess will be a little worrisome. But at this point, I don't think we need to be worried about him yet. No, no, no. And I think that today Smallwood made the most of those extra reps because I think if both Blunt and Pumphrey were out there, we might not have seen as much of Wendell Smallwood. But this was an eye-opening performance from him. Caught a couple passes out of the backfield, but it was just that aggressive downhill running, bursting big plays off tackle that I think really opened some eyes with us. Mm -hmm. And I think that when the coaches pop in the tape during meetings later today, they're going to be encouraged by what they saw. And you mentioned the fact that he, he played more because Blunt was not there and Pumphrey was not there. Eagles were missing a lot of guys on Tuesday. So Alshon was out with a shoulder injury, which happened on Saturday. Me and you both saw that. Yep. He was he kind of went down really awkwardly at the end of a catch in a one-on-one drill. Sat there for a while, had a trainer look at him. He was moving his shoulder around. He basically sat out a good portion of practice from there on out. I think he did one more team drill. He was on the field Sunday at the link. But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think – was he a big part in that? I mean, I think – I guess he did do everything. Yeah, he did everything on Sunday, and I caught up with Alshon Jeffrey in the locker room afterwards, and he said that he was all right. So Mm -hmm. whether this was precautionary, whether he just doesn't want to let on that it's more severe than it is, this is two days after that injury happened on Saturday. So I think that this is something to keep an eye on as camp progresses, and if he's out there tomorrow, then great. But if he misses two consecutive days, maybe there's something to that shoulder injury. Maybe they're just taking it easy on him. But I think it's interesting that he goes down with a shoulder injury, and meanwhile, you look at Jordan Matthews, we were all concerned about how his knee would hold up. He's been fine. He's done everything. He hasn't been limited, and he's played pretty well. Yeah, one more thing about Alshon before we move on. The funny thing is, I guess it's not funny for Alshon, but you know, I tweet out he's not practicing, and I know you've seen the same thing. Bears fans, all in my mentions, saying, you know, we're not surprised by this. Looks like he's in midseason form. And, you know, Eagles fans will just say, oh, they're just mad he didn't resign there. But I think there is something to be said for the fact that you're a fan base that saw this guy for five years and surprised by it. And he's a guy that has had trouble staying healthy. So, you know, 
on a one-year deal, I do think you're going to get his all this year. But it's just an interesting, just an interesting note that sure. so many Bears fans were kind of like, "This is what you get from this guy." Yeah, so. He was trending on Twitter as of Saturday after we wrote mm -hmm. the story that he went down with that minor injury, and it was mostly the Bears fans yeah. tweeting at me. Here we go again! Surprise, surprise, right. surprise! It took this long for him to get hurt. So obviously, I don't know how much it's just them being bitter that he didn't resign there, mm -hmm. or just kind of taking a shot at a guy who was injury prone with the Bears and looks like there's a chance that maybe that trend could continue. But again. even, I mean, even just besides the fans, the Bears have tons of cap space. They have yep. needs all over the place. They let them walk. Yep. So, I mean, I know they franchised him last year, and I'm sure they made him some type of offer, but they, they, if they wanted him back, they probably could have paid him to be there. I do think Alshon, at least, and I don't blame him, strikes me like a guy that, that is looking for a big payday. So I think with the big contract, he would have stayed. Um, the other injury from today was Torrey Smith. He was not in, not at practice with back spasms. So now you have Alshon out, Torrey Smith out, LeGarrette Blunt's out, Donnell Pumphrey's out, Elijah Qualls, Nick Foles, and then obviously Sidney Jones. So the, the injuries are kind of starting to pile up. And while none, obviously other than Sidney Jones, um, are serious, the fact that so much was made about this training camp with how – Alshon and Tory and Wentz need to get on the same page. It's just one practice, and sure. they've looked good when they've been out there. And, but I just think that's something worth monitoring. I mean, if they start missing one or two practices every week with, you know, the back spasms, which is something that you would think might linger, and then the shoulder, who knows what's really going on there. So I think that's just a little something worth mentioning. But while talking about injuries, let's talk about hitting before we get into Wentz. Because sure. I know we're kind of on different sides of the fence with this. Um, Doug, we, we were both here for all of Chip. So we saw how Chip had, I don't want to say, obviously not easy practices because they, they moved a lot, they ran a lot, but they weren't physical. Nope. He, he didn't do almost any hitting. He definitely didn't do any tackling. Doug's taken a different approach to that. Doug likes to do, you know, he likes to have tackling. He likes hitting. And today they were very physical. Um, I'm okay with it, I think, ultimately. I think that although there's an injury risk with that, after seeing the three years with Chip, and how their practices were, you can really feel the kind of like aggression and the competitiveness that hitting brings. Yeah, I think this is ultimately hearkening back to Andy Reid because mm -hmm. Andy Reid would run some of the most physically grueling and intense practices that were taking place throughout training camp, and that was five, ten years ago here with the Eagles. So you look at the way that Andy Reid would have those grueling live periods, those intensely competitive short yardage and goal line periods that Doug is bringing back to the Eagles right. over the last two years. And I think for everything you just talked about, the, the competitiveness, not to mention practicing your form tackling and all of those things, there's some value to hitting. But, Elliot, I got to tell you that it's mm. the year 2017. Yeah. You look across the NFL, most training camps are much more focused and geared towards recovery, much more focused on conditioning, and other teams and other coaches are getting away from tackling. And I think for good reason, because you think about the injury risk. We saw it here last year when Jalen Mills tackled Jordan Matthews down around the knee. Yep. Jordan still hasn't been right since that hit, and he's talked about that hit as recently as day one of this camp. You think of Ertz two years ago going down with a, a sports hernia, having another scare during camp when he got hit. And offensive summer. players don't like the getting hit. No. I mean, they, they were not, they're not a fan of it. No, and, and I think that when you think about all the innovations in this world when it comes to technology, hell, Facebook had to shut down – a, some artificial intelligence because the computers figured out how to talk to each other in a language <laughs> that humans couldn't understand. I think it's high time that we get whoever designs the tackling dummies together with the entire staff of Madden NFL football – 
Come up with a tackling dummy that mimics player movement and use that. Because in an era where CTE risks and concussions are at an all-time high, yeah. in an era where you're thinking about moving to an 18-game schedule, putting these players through unnecessary risk for injury by tackling in July and August – it just seems unnecessary for me. You're going to get the hitting in the preseason games. Why go to that extra I, risk during camp? I don't completely disagree. And although, I mean, the tackling dummies would be awesome. I mean, the reality is that's not happening this year. And the Eagles have to play a game in six weeks. Yep. And I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Tough Guy because I would literally hate getting hit by these guys. So, I mean, it would, I, I wouldn't want to get hit. But to me, what really kind of sways my opinion is you, you talk to the former players, guys you know, uh, like, like Ike Reese, Hollis Thomas, guys that are on the radio, used to play for this team, and they say that they think the hitting's necessary. So if Doug thinks it's necessary, a guy who didn't play a ton but was in the NFL, Ike Reese, a defensive player, yep. Hollis, I mean, if they think it's necessary, then who? it's hard for me to say that it's not because this is a team that has struggled with tackling. Tackling was good at the beginning of last year. It did let off a little bit towards the end. But I think tackling is something this team has to work on. Sure. So I don't really think that if there's players saying that they, they think the hitting works and Doug feels it does, not that there's many times I, I side with Doug, but it's hard for me to say, okay, that, that's yeah. just a bad idea. I, I went back and forth with Ike a little bit on Twitter just as practice was go getting underway about this. And I certainly respect Ike's opinion and any former player. But I just look at the trends across the league. Yeah. And if – I'll throw a ballpark number 25 out of 32 coaches don't tackle to the ground and don't go live. But do you think that's the number? I, I think it's a, it's, it's moving pretty okay. significantly in that direction. And if a majority of coaches aren't hitting, I, I think there's something to be said there. And you look at Seattle, one of the most ferocious defenses in the league. They're a team that doesn't do a lot of tackling, doesn't do a lot of hitting to the ground, and they focus on fundamental tackling drills. And I think there's value there. Right. But having guys go 11-on-11 11 11 and go live in practice, I think you're just – putting yourself at risk for unnecessary injuries when you're going to get that contact anyway during preseason games. Yeah, and I mean, with the injuries piling up on this team, maybe you can make the argument Doug shouldn't do it. Today, Jordan Matthews was one of, I would say, the notable big-name guys that actually did go to the ground at the end of a play. A lot of the contact is between the offense and defensive line, yep. and they need it. they got to get ready for the season. But the Eagles are very thin at offensive line, in my opinion, at least with sure things. And I also think on the defensive line, they're not as deep as people think. So, Doug's risking it. We'll see if there's the uh, the payoff for it. But I think one of the notable things for me to kind of get back to our reactions from today was the play of Wentz. Yep. Um, we last recorded on Friday, I believe, and he was coming off a really good practice. He was then really good on Saturday as well. I thought he looked good at the link on Sunday. Tuesday, though, not good. I don't know if it was because Alshon was out and Torrey was out. Maybe that was one of the reasons. But he was very – I don't Inconsistent. Wanna, yeah, and – What's weird is even – yeah, inconsistent actually is a perfect word to use because there were some balls today he threw that were beautiful, right on the money, down the middle of the field, areas where he struggled last year where you saw him make those plays. But I think what you saw on Tuesday was a lot more of the issues that haunted him last year kind yep. of start to creep up. Um, I, his, I agree. His worst throw of the day and probably of training camp came. It was 11-on-11. 11 11. He's playing the second-team second, second team defense. I believe he was targeting Marcus Johnson, but Zach Ertz was in the vicinity as well. And he throws it right into double coverage, and Rasul Douglas makes the play. Rasul Douglas is not a guy that's played well in training camp so far. So this wasn't just him making a great play. This was the ball being thrown literally right to him. It was right an ill-advised pass. So yeah. we're standing right there, and you, you scratch your head, and you're thinking, well, what did Carson see there? 
to throw that. And pass. that's kind of what you, what at least I saw from Wentz in the middle of the season last year. You think yep. about games against the Giants, especially Cincinnati, the I mean, Bengals, Seattle. Yeah, I mean he's throwing these balls right to guys. And Wentz, I mean, one of his strengths is supposed to be. I mean, I know he's considered a gunslinger, but that's more about taking chances down the field. One of his strengths is supposed to be reading defenses, knowing what he's seeing. And in, in last in last year, in the middle of the season, I think you saw him kind of get away from that, and he didn't do a great job with his decision-making. I think he recovered at the end of the year, but to so see him kind of make some of those same mistakes today on, on Tuesday's practice, it's not like press the red button you know it's not super alarm time but I do think he was not good and his accuracy also was not great I agree and I think that when you look at his practice on Saturday where I believe it was a perfect 21 of 21 and seven on seven and team drills you look at him slinging the ball up and down the field at the link on Sunday a really sharp practice this reminded me of early on in OTAs where I I know I was scratching my head and saying okay is this guy going to improve and did all of the work with the passing guru really pay off this offseason today Elliot it wasn't just the interception it was the amount of throws that were low Nelson Aguilar made a sliding catch on one but there were several passes low in the dirt and reminiscent of Donovan McNabb you look at throws that were thrown behind wide receivers you look at throws that were high just a a very inconsistent inaccurate day for Carson Wentz and part of that might just be it's the first time that live bullets are out there and guys are falling around him in the pocket and the secondary is really stepping up because they have the pads on but I'm not just going to write it off until I see him with the pads on and with full contact returning to the form of the last two days before today. I mean, so how much do you think Alshon and Torrey not being out there had to do with it? Because one thing I've noticed in practice is some of the – I mean, you mentioned he was 21-21 or whatever on Saturday. Um, some of those passes, though, were not good passes. They were just caught. Right. Um, so how much of do you think Alshon and Torrey not being out there today – was part of the reason for his struggles because he's throwing the guys like Matt Collins, Bryce Treggs, a guy who sure. we don't think is going to make the team. Actually had a pretty nice day today, but I, I don't, I still don't think he has a decent shot at making the team. I mean, how much do you think of that was Alshon? I mean, and Torrey? I, I think there's something to be said, Elliot, for having the timing with your guys and and working with Alshon and Torrey for the most of the spring and early training camp. But again, I don't know that if it's Alshon Jeffrey if he's not going to throw behind him or if that mm-hmm. ball isn't going to be in the dirt because he felt the pressure in the backside of the pocket and had to deliver the throw before he felt comfortable doing it. Th- these are things, like you said, that he struggled with last year. And we can't just put all of it on subpar wide receivers last year because it's still Carson Wentz who made the throw that sailed over the receiver's head in the middle of the field that was intercepted against Cincinnati. It's still Carson Wentz who underthrew a wide receiver on a critical third down. And I don't want to sit here and say that he can't improve, but people bang on me all the time and say that I'm some sort of Carson Wentz critic or Carson Wentz hater. And my stance on Carson Wentz is I think he has all the tools. I think he has the work ethic to improve, but I need to see him do it because there were stretches last year where he just flat out wasn't good, wasn't consistent, wasn't accurate and all the help in the world. Yeah. It's going to facilitate him improving, but he needs to actually go out and do it. And today was kind of a step backwards from where he's been the last couple of days. So Let's get into Wentz a little bit because I wrote an article Tuesday morning, um, just basically saying what what's fair to expect from Carson this season. And I, I think we're on a little bit different sides of the coin here because I don't think you're a Wentz hater by any means. I think what you said is true. You just kind of want to see it. Now, I think I saw it a little more last year than you did. Um, so I'm a little more – I think I guess I would say I think my expectations for him are higher next year because I think he's shown the ability to do it. But my question is – and before I tell you what I think my expectations are stat-wise – 
I think it's interesting to think about what, you know, when we're recording this podcast a year from now, what will you want to see from Wentz, both, I guess, just in general, but also stats-wise, to kind sure. of say, okay, this was, he took a step forward, and there was improvement there. Yeah, I, I wrote about this before I went away on vacation with my 17 bold predictions for the 2017 season, and the numbers I threw out there for Wentz were 32 touchdowns okay. and somewhere around 18 to 20 interceptions. Because I think interceptions are going to happen Especially when you him. become a gunslinger and mm-hmm. you're, you're pushing the ball downfield. But I look at everything the Eagles did this offseason, bringing in Alshon Jeffrey, bringing in Torrey Smith, bringing in LeGarrette Blunt. You don't have the cloud of Elaine Johnson suspension hovering over you, and we saw how much more comfortable he was in the pocket when Elaine was on the field versus when he wasn't. I think that if he doesn't exceed that 30-touchdown plateau, and again, the interceptions are going to happen, but if he doesn't increase the touchdowns along with the interceptions or the interceptions stay relatively the same, Mm -hmm. then I think it's going to be hard for us to look at it and say, you know what, Carson Wentz, with all that help around him, took that leap forward the Eagles were hoping for. Here's why I disagree with you slightly, and had you asked me this last week, I might have been close to what you're saying with the 30 touchdowns. But So for my article, what I did was I looked at the guys who were top 15 in the league last year in terms of passing, just how they were ranked. I think it was yards I used. Um, And I looked at what those guys did in their second season. So obviously Drew Brees, for a guy like Drew Brees, this was a long time ago, his second season. There wasn't as much passing back then, so that's a little skewed. And obviously each situation is different. But when you look at the guys, the top quarterbacks in the league, kind of what the, the leap they took from year one to year two it wasn't as big as I think what you just said right there, because if, if Wentz throws 30 touchdowns, 31 touchdowns, that's almost twice as many as he had yep. last year. He had 16. Now he had, I think, 37 or 3,800 yards. So that it's tough to tell in today's NFL what kind of a good season is with passing yards because teams throw the ball so much more, and he threw it 607 times. But on average, the top quarterbacks, the top 15 quarterbacks from last year, in their second season, they only averaged around 25 touchdowns, 3,700 yards, and 13 interceptions. So I agree with you that if you told me those were his numbers, I would say, all right, like that was okay. I'm not overly impressed by that. But I think maybe what we, sh- what we need to do as you know, both reporters that cover the team and also I think what fans need to do is maybe we need to realize that Wentz can take a step forward next year, but it might not be this huge statistical season right. that we're kind of thinking because, I mean, 32 touchdowns, you know, that's a, that's a lot of touchdowns for, for a guy in his second year, especially when you have guys that have only averaged 25 touchdowns. No, I, I agree, but I also look at the fact that this offense throws the ball more than most offenses in right. the NFL. He set the franchise rookie record a year ago. I look at the And he's probably going to throw it just in. as much this year. I right, mean, if, yeah. if not more. And you look at the fact that they made that investment in Alshon Jeffrey and in Torrey Smith, and if Nelson Aguilar improves and if Zach Ertz continues to develop and improve, he was a statistical top five tight end last year in this mm-hmm. team's leading receiver. If those guys all improve and there is that impact from Alshon Jeffrey, maybe 30 isn't the hard, fast number that I'm looking for from Wentz, but I think it needs to be a significant jump and a significant improvement in that touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah, and I mean, see see where I kind of disagree a little bit too, though, is when, like, you know, you talk about Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Torrey Smith, Wentz, I mean, and not Wentz, even Ertz, really. I mean, like, you say with Wentz, you need to see it. But, like, when have those guys that I just mentioned really made quarterbacks considerably better? Now, maybe all together, and they, that they will. And, obviously, I think they've improved at receiver um, over last year because you've only added talent. You really haven't gotten rid of anybody besides Doral Green-Beckham. So the, the weapons around Wentz are better. And I think maybe his completion percentage will go up. And I do think 
you know, having guys to make plays for him will help. I just think like 30 touchdowns, I mean, 30, 32 touchdowns, that, that's, that's just a lot. And I'm, I'm worried. I shouldn't say worried because I really don't even care. But I, I mean, like, I just think that expectations have become so high for him that maybe it's, you know, like, if we're going to sit here at the end of the year and he has exactly what these guys average, 25, 26 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, you know, close to 4,000 yards, are we going to sit here and say, you know, maybe this wasn't enough? Oh, no, I don't, I don't think we'll be saying that at all, particularly if those numbers translate into an extra win or two that he led them down the field in a two-minute drill and won the football game. Yeah, and I, I mean, that, that's the other thing. So of these teams, and I actually have it right here because I think this is pretty interesting. So of the 15 quarterbacks, only four threw over 30 touchdowns in their second season, and five of the 15 threw over 25 touchdowns. So over 25 is not – I mean, this is not something a lot of players have done in their second year. Um, I think Jameis Winston, what did he have last year? He's a guy a lot of people point to. Jameis Winston, I have it right here. Give me two seconds. Jameis Winston last year. 28 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. So close to 30, yeah. but but not not exactly 30. But I do think the win-loss record will, for me, that's a stat I like. I know you're not big in the quarterback win-loss, but I do think sooner or later, maybe it's not next year, you're going to have to start judging Wentz off wins and losses. So for me, if they, if they win more than seven games and Wentz has 26, 27 touchdowns, maybe 15 or 16 interceptions, um, I think that'll be a good year for him because he will have take the step, he will have taken the team forward, and he also will have just, you know, improved his numbers. Um, so let's get back to, to practice, though. So I think one issue we both saw today pretty clearly uh, was the play of Patrick Robinson. Um, not good. So... Patrick Robinson signed a one-year deal for right around a million bucks, no guaranteed money. So even though the Eagles might not have high expectations for him, he was the lone veteran they signed at the position, and he's being handed a starting job. I mean, right now he is a starter along with Jalen Mills. He's not played good. I mean, we, I'm sure we've talked about it before on this podcast because he, he's been bad throughout, but I think Tuesday was especially bad, and it seems like things are getting worse. I mean, we're both – high to a certain degree on Marcus Johnson, yep. but you don't want Marcus Johnson consistently beating your number two cornerback down the field. When you consider Marcus Johnson was on a practice squad last year and out of the league for a portion of it, Robinson, if he starts in week one, he's going to get you know matched up against guys like Terrell Pryor. Other teams, you know, Jim Schwartz very rarely moves his cornerbacks from side to side. Other teams are going to make sure their best guys match up against Patrick Robinson, and it's not going to be pretty based off of what we've seen in practice. Yeah, and I caught up with Patrick Robinson right after practice today, and uh-huh. he said, quote, I-, I think I gave up way too many deep balls. I'm sitting, I'm <laughs> sitting and guessing on those deep balls. A lot of times I'm just sitting and guessing at what's going to happen. I have to stop doing that. That's something I have to work on. I really have to stay focused and play the right technique. It's pretty simple. It's just staying focused on your assignment and playing sound technique football. And that's all well and good, right? But it, this is now becoming a trend with him. And yeah. you look at the open practice at Lincoln Financial Field, Nelson Aguilar blew by him to the point where it looked like he was playing catch-up, covering him from center city. Mm -hmm. Torrey Smith got behind him on a nine route. You look at today, it was Marcus Johnson having a field day against Patrick Robinson. And you're right, Elliot. These are not the type of players, at least in the case of Robinson and Bryce Treggs, that you want to see getting the better end of – your top free agent acquisition at a position where one year ago, Leotis McKelvin and Nolan Carroll combined to give up more yards deep and to both sides of the field than any cornerback duo in the NFL. So the Eagles certainly need more out of the cornerback position, but I don't know how much more Patrick Robinson has to give. He's kind of a journeyman veteran, and I think what we've seen over the last couple of days 
is that you're kind of seeing what you're going to get from him. And that's the thing. Like, so Doug said after practice on Tuesday, I asked him, I said, what have you seen from Patrick Robbins? He's Robinson. He says, he's taking strides. He's learning the defensive system. And obviously, anytime you come to a de- new defense, there is, you know, there's going to be some adjustment. But, I mean, playing a cornerback in Jim Schwartz's defense is not complicated. It's hard because you spend a lot of time on an island one-on-one, and that's, you know, what you're seeing with Robinson. But it's not complicated. So for him to say he's got to work on technique, I know you always want players working on things like that. But he's now, I think, four or five years into the NFL. And ripping him, I mean, it almost it almost feels like the, the, the blame is misplaced because Robinson is who he is at this point. Right. He's not a guy that you want to be your number two. The real problem is Howie – and, and Joe Douglas signed this guy to, to fill this role. I mean, look, people on Twitter have said to me, you can't, you can't fill every need in every, you can't fill every need on the team in one off season. And I agree, but we're not talking about the fact that like a need on this team is a long-term tackle prospect. We're talking about the fact that the Eagles cornerbacks were terrible last yep. year, how he knew that coming into this off season. And look, he had to address the receivers as well. And clearly he decided to put more resources into receiver than cornerback. And maybe he should have done it differently. I mean, look, A.J. Bouya, his cap hit this year is $5.5 million. I mean, there, he, the, he could have signed a top cornerback. He chose not to. He signed Robinson. And then I like the Sidney Jones pick, but he's not going to help you this year. And then also Rasul Douglas, I feel like he's going to be put in a bad spot like Robinson because he's a, basically a fourth-round pick, 99th overall, and he's going to be – you know, fans want him to start week one. He's just not ready to start in week no, one. No, Elliot, I think that when you look at this season and, and you seem to be on the, the track much closer to them being a playoff team than I think they are. And, well, I, and I think yeah. that based on what they say and what they do are two different things. And, mm-hmm. and you look at their biggest need last year, cornerback. It's one of the more vital positions in Jim Schwartz's defense. And they did next to nothing outside of drafting Sidney Jones, a play for the future, right? to address that need this year. And Meanwhile, really, when can Sidney Jones help you? 2019? I mean, you figure he's going to be a rookie in 2018, well, essentially, I, I, because... Well, I, well I, I'm I, just saying, I mean, he's recovering from an injury. Right. Like, at what point are we going to be able to say... Okay, Sidney Jones should be helping this team. I think he. there's a chance, and I know that you're going to say I'm crazy. I think there's a chance he sees the field late in this year, and then next year he hits the ground running. But Maybe. Let's, let's go bigger picture here. They did everything this offseason to improve the weapons around Carson Wentz yep. so that Wentz could develop, so that he could improve, so that he could build some good habits, so that next year, whether they add more free agents because they've let Alshon and Torrey walk or they draft young wide receivers, they'll have a quarterback who's more primed to take that step and lead this team to a higher level next year than he is this and year. And they've built their cornerback position with Jones and Douglas for the future. So and I, I, I agree with, I agree. And I see what you're saying. Like obviously Wentz's development is the most important right. thing for this I, I don't team. think they went into this year thinking, Hey, we can be a playoff team this year. Let's build to make the playoffs this year. I think they've done everything they can to look towards 2018 and 19, particularly a cornerback. But, but that's the interesting thing is like, you say that they haven't spent to kind of win this year, but a lot of the players you just mentioned are essentially one-year deals. Alshon, one-year deal. Torrey, one-year deal. Well, right. That, that's where I'm saying they made those moves specifically so that Wentz could improve with them right. this well, year. Well, I, hope, I mean, you know. And develop with them this year because you couldn't throw him back out there with no. Dorio Green, Beckham, Jordan Matthews, and Nelson Aguilar the way he looked last but year. But I think there could have been a middle ground between investing, you know, 
basically signing nobody in free agency besides Patrick Robinson. I mean, the Eagles spent money in free agency. Yep. They spent on Alshon. They spent on Torrey Smith. They spent on Chris Long. I mean, they did spend. And then you look at the draft. I know they took Sydney cornerbacks with two of their first three picks. But again, one of those cornerbacks is hurt. And Rasul Douglas, that was essentially a compensatory pick. I mean, they got Jernigan by swapping picks in the third round, I think it was, or whatever. But they basically moved back to to the end of the third, which is basically a fourth. So, And then they take receivers and a running back with their three picks in this, in this uh, fourth and fifth round. So I, I think there could have been a middle ground between – I agree. Make sure that Wentz is good. Make sure he's he, he that's ultimately what's going to lead to success for this franchise. But there couldn't have been a middle ground because I think I'll, I do think I'm more on the path of playoffs than you are just but it's more because I think the division isn't going to be that good. I just think that when we come to week See, that's why I don't think they make the playoffs because okay. I think the division especially the top with the Cowboys and the Giants is just too talented, and those two teams are too good for this team to overtake them. See, I, I that this will be a topic for another podcast. Sure. I just disagree with you with you on that. And we get when we see the teams more in the preseason, I guess we'll both have a better, uh, more of an opinion on that. So the next thing um, I wanted to talk about, and I know you know fans have been asking me and you about it a ton, is all right. So we agree they need a cornerback. We agree that Howie probably either could have done more, or at the very least. I think we could agree he needs to do something now. Whether yep. you know, so let's talk about the name that's out there, Darrell Rebus. Um, you know, we have our, our NJ.com Jets guys, uh, Connor Hughes and Daryl Slater, and I asked them before we did this. I said, "How was Rebus last year?" And simply, they said, "Terrible." So, I mean, obviously, that's that's not what you want to hear as one of your top cornerback signing. Last year, according to Pro Football Focus, he gave up three touchdowns and uh, 520 snaps in coverage. Um, quarterbacks had a rating of 104 when they targeted him, uh, gave up 48 catches and 72 targets. So that, that's obviously not good, but, but my counter would be what the Eagles have is also really bad. Um, and one thing people have said is why would you bring Revis in when you, you want to give snaps to young guys, to let them develop. Who are these young guys you're giving snaps to? Because on one hand, I disagree that you just put a guy out there to let him develop a cornerback because I think it's a position where if you really get beat up early, it could impact you. But you can't tell me that Darrell Revis wouldn't potentially be an upgrade over Patrick Robinson. I don't know that. I, he, was, he was pretty bad last year. He was, I, but, I mean, Pat, but Patrick pay, Robinson has always been bad. I, I get that, but you're not going to get Darrell Revis of three and four years ago, and you're also going to get a guy who probably isn't all that content being on a team that's not in the thick of a playoff race, or the guy. But the, I, see, not, okay, I think the Eagles are going to at least be in the race. You you think in week thirteen this team? I think this is a seven and nine to nine and seven team, and I don't think that's I, good I, enough to, okay, to see, win a wild card. I spot. do too, but last year the Eagles were seven and nine. And when would you say they were really eliminated from the playoffs? It was the, it was the Packers game, right? When we, when we were like, all right, they're definitely not making it. I, I'd say around mid no, mid to late November. Okay, yeah. so you're talking four games left in the season. That's a quarter of the season. It's a quarter but of the back, season. But right. back to the Revis thing. Okay, you're, you're not getting a guy who has a lot of upside. You're not getting a 24-year-old kid who's been inconsistent, but you think you can plug him into your system and develop him. Mm -hmm. This team isn't going to a Super Bowl. This team isn't going to be a team that, in my opinion, is going to be competing for a division championship. And even if they were, I don't think Darrell Rivas has enough left in the tank to push you over the top. And well, for, from that standpoint, I think you're better off playing Jalen Mills, playing Rasul Douglas, developing them, because this is a long-term rebuild. Carson Wentz isn't going to be gone in a year or two. Right. You're building for 2018, 2019, 2020, and any snaps you give Darrell Rivas flies in the face of that for maybe a – 
minuscule upgrade over what Patrick but, Robinson might but, give but you. But part of developing Wentz is getting this team in competitive games and is allowing him to play in games that matter come December. And the fact that the cornerback position, we I think we both agree. And look, we maybe they'll end up playing better than we think, but I think we both agree now the cornerback position looks like it's going to be a big need. I agree. I just don't think that Revis gives you any upside short or long term because well, short term he's – as good or slightly better than Patrick Robinson, and long-term, you're taking snaps away from Rasul Douglas. Well, let me just ask you, though, like flat out, who would you rather have a cornerback, Patrick Robinson or Joel Rivas? To me, it's a coin flip. Okay, but if you had to pick one? Uh, it's a coin flip. I mean, I, I, I don't – if I had to pick one gun to my head – Neither, to be honest. With you. I wish they would have had a <laughs> better option. Matt, Matt will be dead, just like right. The team. <laughs> but, but like, no. I mean, look again. I'm not saying I would definitely bring Revis in. I'm not saying he's going to be that answer you're looking for. My only point is, Patrick Robinson looks like he's going to be a major problem. How he knew that the quarterback position was a problem back in but January. But that doesn't mean that Revis is going to be the solution. It doesn't. But, but my point is, like. You say you want to play these young guys. There's really only two young guys, right? There's there's Jalen Mills and Rasul Douglas. Jalen Mills is going to play. But it's not like this team is littered with young cornerbacks that they can give snaps to this year. And, again, you don't just want to put guys out there just to put them out well, there. Well, C.J. Smith looks like he belongs. Aaron Grimes has had some nice Aaron Grimes moments. is just a guy. I mean, look, I, Aaron well, Grimes. What's Darrell Rivas? But he's, my, he's just a guy who's going to be high-priced and potentially an attitude problem. But potentially, and I mean, the Jets guys did say he—they don't think he'd be a problem in the locker room. That you know, so take that for what it's worth. Sure. They—they've—they've they've covered him. Um, look, maybe there's something to be said for the fact that if you sign Revis, all of a sudden your expectations—the expectations go up unfairly among the fan bases. So, I, again, I'm not saying I would definitely sign Darrell Revis. I'm just saying, th- like. People need to understand those who don't get to watch practice. The cornerbacks are really bad. So, I, so maybe you bring Revis in for one year and you just pray he turns into a guy. He he gives you what he was two years ago. And if he gives you what he was two years ago, or two you know two two years ago, he's an upgrade over everybody on this roster. So okay. I would at least. It, depending on what the money is, the Eagles have around $10 million in space right now. They'll have 14 once they get rid of Ryan Matthews. So, I mean, they have the space to do it if you're giving them 3 or $4 million. Now, I know that space was over in the next year. So I'd maybe... rather wait and see who shakes out after the cuts. But no, realistically, very rarely, I would say, at least in my experience, we're going to leave. Are you going to get a guy? And Revis isn't great, but you're not going to get a guy then that's going to be, that's going to be, be better. better. Than Revis. Maybe, I mean, but if, that's if, a lot of... The reason we're talking about Terrell Revis is because he has name value, right? Because and because he's, he's been, but before. also because he's been really good, right? In the past. It's been at least, what, but a year or two before he's, since he's been a really good He was bad last year. There's, look, he was bad last year. But again, Patrick Robinson was bad last year. Ron Brooks, before he got hurt, was not that great. Jalen Mills struggled, and Elliot, I like Jalen Mills. Elliot, it's <laughs> August 1st, and he's still available. Right? I know. If, I, look, if, if Terrell Revis had anything left But would Patrick tank, Robinson still be available? Like, if Patrick Robinson got cut, would he get picked up? I, I, I don't know the answer to that because right. he was signed back in, you know, mid-March. But the bottom line is that there are 32 teams in the NFL. The Eagles cornerbacks might be among the worst in the league, but there are other teams with bad corners. It's August 1st. You're six weeks away from the regular season, and Darrell Revis is still unemployed. That tells me a lot of what I Right, all know. right. But then you want to pick up a guy that's going to be unemployed. Well, if he's younger <laughs> and he has upside. Yeah, that, maybe. That's the only reason. I, I, I would rather bring in for this team a young corner than somebody who is on the back end of his career and probably looking just to cash a paycheck. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, look, I mean, maybe this is a debate we'll have if they bring him in. I don't think yep. it'll probably happen, but uh, we'll see. So I, I, uh, before we um, started this episode, I asked you guys for some questions on Twitter. Uh, so let me, let me go through these and see uh, 
kind of what you know we've we've talked about this one but we let's I know you wrote about it recently. So at uh at Herbert Leader said, Is Marcus Johnson ahead of both Gibson and Hollins? So I'll let you take that one. I mean I think I, we're I think say, we're on the same page. Yeah, here. I'd say he's ahead of Gibson. I don't know that he's ahead of Matt Collins because he's looked really good and not to mention. He is Hollins getting more is. reps with the first team though. Yeah, he's he's uh you know really good on special teams. But I think that and I wrote about this, I think the time's running out for Shelton Gibson. He's only a fifth round pick. You look at somebody like Marcus Johnson, as you said, getting a lot of the first team reps almost all of the first team reps in place of Alshon Jeffrey catching everything thrown his way looks like he belongs on the first team and if it comes down to Gibson versus Johnson I think you got to keep Marcus Johnson at this point all right so the next one is from uh Jake Oberhand and he said do you think Doug Peterson has learned from his in-game reckless coaching decisions from his rookie year so I don't I I shouldn't even say actually he learned but I just think that who that's who Doug is and we kind of expected Chip to be that guy but Doug has said he's going to continue to be aggressive you know like going forward uh, two against Baltimore. I disagreed with that decision. I think it's a decision Doug would make again. Um, I think there were some play calls that he made that he might learn from, like the screen pass to Sproles against Dallas late in that game. But that's not really uh, reckless. That's just a bad play call. So I think we're still going to see Doug be um, very aggressive next year in his coaching style. That's who he is. And yeah. he talked about this after the rookie, the mandatory minicamp that you know, there are times where maybe you dial back the aggressiveness on fourth down, but you're not going to completely change your mentality as a head coach. And I think yeah. that while he might get more feedback from some of the other coordinators on game day, it's ultimately going to come down to him. And I think that he's ultimately going to still be an aggressive coach. All right. So this one is from Brandon Allen. He said, if Jim Schwartz does a good job with the defense and gets a head coaching job, do you think that affects defensive signings, such as Timmy Jernigan, Brandon Graham, etc.? I think it's so funny to me that Eagles fans are afraid Schwartz is going to get a head coaching job. He didn't do good as a head coach before, and his defenses have been good at times, but I wouldn't say, you know, he's, he's, he's not like a perennial top five guy. Um, if Jim does a good job this year, maybe he gets another look just because the NFL loves retread coaches, but I don't think it would affect their defensive signings. I mean, the Eagles are probably never going to move back to a 3-4 um, I'd imagine, at least as long as Doug is the head coach. And guys like Jernigan, who is actually coming from a 3-4, but right. Jernigan and Brandon Graham, I think they're just good defensive linemen. So I, I don't think it would impact their defensive signings too much. No, I agree. And I think that I can I really compare this to college football. And when a coordinator gets a head coaching job somewhere else, that's a good thing because that means that they did a good enough job as a coordinator, got the most out of the players that they have on their roster and in their program to ultimately land on the radar for a team to become a head coach. And if the Eagles lose Jim Schwartz, that means that their defense was a top 10 defense, that they've developed some mm -hmm. talent and they look good. And there's some really good up and coming assistants on this team, like, you know, the secondary coach, like Corey Underlin, yeah. like the defensive line coach, Chris Wilson. Chris Wilson. Yeah. I mean, there are guys on this coaching staff that could step up if the Eagles decided to promote from within. And, and like you said, I don't think that it's all that likely that Schwartz will get another look just because of how terribly it went in Detroit. Yeah. But if he does, that means that he did a really good job building mm -hmm. this Eagles defense. That's true. Well, we will see. I mean, as we said with the cornerbacks, he's got his bad. He's got his uh, work cut out for him. But all right, cool. So the Eagles practice on Tuesday. They had the pads on. They're going to be light tomorrow, I believe, on Wednesday. Then we'll probably record again on Thursday or Friday. So they're probably going to have one more intense practice, I would say, uh, before we re re record again. And who knows what will be happening with them. Maybe Darrell Rivas will be here. Um, so, again, as I said at the top, if you're listening in a browser, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. And then once you subscribe, go give us that five-star review and leave a comment. We'd really appreciate it. Matt, thanks as always. Always a great time, Ellie.